Welcome to The Exchange, a podcast from Grace Church, an independent Bible teaching church in Wichita Falls, Texas. In this podcast, we examine the world through a grace perspective and connect biblical truth in everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Exchange Podcast. Today, we uh, will be talking about a new series on pop culture. And so uh, this will be a, a couple different episodes that we'll talk about um, some different aspects of pop culture and what it looks like for Christians to interact with pop culture. How can we engage with and enjoy the arts and sports and different things? And so uh, today I'm joined by Reggie and Blake. Guys, thanks for being here. Yeah, we're glad to be thanks, Thank man. you, Noah. So, uh, so with this series on pop culture, um, what we're going to start with today is we're going to start start with talking about sports and with music. And um, you know the 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 idea behind this specific episode and in <clears throat> this series uh, that I and the question that'll kind of drive the conversation is what does it look like for Christians to wisely engage with and enjoy sports and then music? And so, Reggie, I want to start by talking uh, about sports, and that this is something that. You know, you and I talk pretty regularly about sports in the office, and we're both real big Cowboys fans, lifelong Cowboys fans, and and uh, even though I didn't go to A and M, I had a daughter who went through A and M, so I'm financially invested yeah. in A and M. Well, uh, you know, it's I don't recommend anybody becoming an A and M fan if if uh, they have a choice about it. So. It's if a, they have a choice of not having broken heart every a, year, it's a tortured existence. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, and I know you're a big Rangers fan as well, and and uh, so so I just want to start by kind of setting the tone of uh, of what your role or your relationship is with sports. So how how do sports play into your life? Well, as a kid, um, I had a big brother who was involved in. He was four years older, and he was involved in. In the town I grew up in, Conroe, Conroe, Texas, Conroe High, the biggest thing in Friday nights was uh, Conroe High football, and the it was the stadium was so limited until they built the new stadium that in divorces there was a settlement over who got the season ticket oh, options <laughs> to Conroe High football. So uh, we grew up in um, in a culture. I grew up in a culture where sports was kind of what you did. Yeah, that's the um, classic Friday Night Lights. Friday stuff. Night Lights. But before that, it was Little League Baseball. And we we had a nice little three-field um, setup for the Little League. And we could go during the middle of the day and the heat of the summer and go play work up or whatever. And, um, you know, we, we played uh, – the team I was – they would draft you – when you were eight years old or nine years old, they would have a draft for all the players yeah. moving up from minor league. They called it minor league. And then we didn't have T-ball. I mean, we were always playing 9v9 or whatever wow, yeah. with with kid pitch. I mean, there wasn't any uh, adult pitch or anything, even in the seven- and eight-year-olds. But so I got drafted on this team that was the worst team and had been historically the <laughs> Does worst. Does that mean you were the first pick, Reggie? No, I was the last pick of the, <laughs> of the worst team. But uh, what happened was our coach had a couple, three sons, and they all played on the team, and they were great. And he 
he shaped us up so that by the time we finished our little league career, we'd won the state championship of Texas. So, wow. you know, one of the only teams in Conroe that ever won a state championship was our little league team back in 1961 or oh, whatever cool. it was. But the point is, is that sports was just what, what you did if you could. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to play football, but I had a heart murmur. And so they would never clear me yeah. to play. So I became a, a trainer um, and trained in track and uh, some football. But um, so sports were kind of what your life revolved around yeah, yeah. in terms of, of the culture. I grew up and I can remember very early in the early 60s being uh, drawn to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, they had the Houston Oilers, and my brother was a Houston Oilers fan, but I was always kind of oppositional. And if he's going to be an Oilers fan, then I'm going to be a Cowboy fan. Yeah. And um, so I can remember on Thanksgivings, we would go over to some people's house, but we watched the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and we – and so I love the Cowboys. I, I like to play football as a kid out in the sandlot kind of thing. Across the right. street from my house was a yep. elementary school. And my uncle was a coach. And I can remember he sent me for my birthday one year a pair of Puma soccer shoes. <laughs> Nobody else had soccer shoes. Yeah. They were light. And I couldn't run anyway. I mean, I, can't, I couldn't <laughs> outrun a turtle. But... Uh, he got me those shoes, and man, I thought I was the, I, I was something because I had soccer shoes, and that's what everybody was going. You know, they were going to those lighter shoes. But anyway, um, I think uh, so. For me, it was um, you know just so much a part of my life. Cowboys were so much a part of my life. Um, Family, socially, yeah, all of just, that. Was yeah, with same, and going through going sports. through high school, college, and I know uh, visiting with. Lance and some of you that some of y'all don't, you know, you're not so much a professional sports fan as you are a collegiate sports fan. But um, I grew up being primarily a, a Dallas Cowboy fan. Mm -hmm. And um, as you can tell, I'm even wearing, in honor of our interview today, my Dallas Cowboy uh, baseball cap. Um, but so sports have just been kind of um, – something that I've embraced, something I've followed, something, and we'll talk about some of your other questions in a minute. But um, so we grew up in a very sports-oriented yeah. town. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of the same way and uh, with a lot of the, those things that you mentioned. Grew up, grew up playing baseball, and, and uh, I was too, you know, too small. I was a late, late grower, late bloomer, and, and uh, was too small to really play sports in high school. And um, and I didn't probably didn't have the personality for it either. I wasn't competitive enough. But um, but I, I worked for the A and M football team in college. Um, had a ton of fun doing that. Loved loved that job. And and um, and you know now I I'm still still watch A and M. Uh, still watch the Dallas Cowboys. And and I'm real big on fantasy football too. So that to me the NFL is is kind of my favorite uh, my favorite sports um, to watch and and Dallas Mavericks and all that. So. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a, I consider myself to be a pretty, pretty huge sports fan and have a lot of connections to the games and, and things like that. So w over the years, and, and I've seen this in different sort of phases in my life, I, at times I know that uh, that relationship with sports has gotten a little bit 
maybe unhealthy, you know, uh, the the churchy term that we might use is idolatrous, you know, yeah. where where it becomes sort of too too much of your focus and and too much of your heart, right? So, uh, or an appropriate place. So, so have you ever had had that, and and what did that look like for you if, <laughs> if that happens? Well, sure. Uh, that's kind of asking me if I've ever been spiritually immature. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I've been spiritually immature, and probably in some areas I still am. But um, I can remember um, being so ingrained in the Cowboys in college, and Beck and I were dating, but she kind of had a running, I don't know if you call it joke or whatever, but if the Cowboys lost on a Sunday, I was depressed the whole week until the next Sunday. And so Beck would say, yeah, it takes him about a week to get over a cowboy loss. And we were just dating at that time. But um, for me, the cowboys were kind of where I focused, you know, they, uh, Roger Staubach, Bob Lilly, Bob Hayes, um, even before Staubach, Dandy Don Meredith. Uh, so, yes, I, they have had an inappropriate place. Now, what Becca will tell you today is that if I have a cow, if the Cowboys lose, it maybe takes me five to ten minutes to get over it. Maybe that's just because you got used to Cowboys losing, I guess. Huh? Well, uh, they, yeah, I mean, I think that'll that'll sure get into your bloodstream. But uh, you know, followed them obviously through their early glory years. Then they had the slump, and then Jerry Jones bought the franchise, and everybody got mad that he fired Tom Landry. But you know, I, I, I couldn't. You know, some guys say, I'm never watching them again. I right, could yeah. never say that. Yeah. I mean, they're I don't the think guy. anybody who ever says that actually follows through on that. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if they do either, but I know guys say that. Well, I quit watching them when they fired Tom Landry. <laughs> I think I've said that, you know, yeah. five or six times. We should have quit watching him when he fired Jimmy Johnson because yeah. that guy had the formula. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I followed him through the Staubach, through the Don Meredith, the Staubach years the Troy Aikman, the the triplets. Um, so, uh, you know, the word for fan, you know this, comes from fanatic. And a fanatic is somebody who's overly, irrationally committed to uh, something, to a person, to a team, to a nation, whatever. And Guilty. So, yeah. And so um, the, the answer, the short answer to your question is, yes, I have had, if you want to use the phrase idolatrous, Periods I have placed my devotion to sports or to, um, you know, to, to that, to, yeah, to and, and primarily my loyalty lies with the Cowboys. I mean, they're the ones that I follow, I check, or whatever. Maybe less now, but um, but I, you know, I still follow them through the Dak era, you know, sure, yeah. and I followed them through the Tony Romo era, mm. and I still remember him fumbling the <sighs> snap to kick the extra Don't point, or, you know, uh, or whatever that was. So I still have that image of that sure. in my mind. So <clears throat> maybe you'll need to be like a, have a support. Group. <laughs> yeah. That's what this be is. A, be yeah. a, this, this exchange is <laughs> yeah. Nolan's in my support group. We're going to get to you in a minute though. <laughs> okay. okay. I, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, a college, old college roommate and, uh, and our, our group that has a fantasy football league together. And, and we were talking recently about the, he, he kind of pointed out statistically, if you think about the chances that you're going to at the end of any season that you're going to feel like 
it, it was a success. And and generally, we would say if your team wins the championship, then that's the that's big success. That's the success. He said, if you think about it, every year when you start out a season, it's like there's a one in thirty or a one in thirty two chance <laughs> that you're. You know, and in college, it's even you know yeah. way slimmer than that, yeah. unless unless you're an Alabama yeah. fan. But you know, and, and and you know, you think about the the chances that it's gonna pay off for you at the end of a season. He's like, gosh, aren't we kind of miserable for putting putting all our hope in this every single year? And he's like, you know, you're lucky if over a decade one of your teams in any sport wins anything. You know, and and so. I think it's kind of funny to to think in those terms and and how much we do invest in cheering for our teams and watching our teams and, and following them and things like that. But you know, when we talk about these unhealthy relationships that we can have with sports, what what do you think? What do you think it is about us that that allows us to to have those unhealthy relationships? And, and what does that maybe say about our hearts? When yeah, we, when that's we get a great there? question. Uh, let me step back. I think as I think about it. When I grew up, at the beginning of watching sports on TV, which was occasional, I mean, it maybe was one Sunday football game, maybe you'd get a college game of the week or something. We had, you know, at that time, black and white TV. I mean, it just wasn't a big deal. I think the rise of, if you want to call it cable TV, satellite TV, whatever, the rise of ESPN – where yep. there's sports on all the time. Mm-hmm. So guys that love sports would get into sports they didn't even care about because they'd rather watch that than watch, you know, whatever the sitcom of the week was or yeah, right. or whatever. Um, I also think that there have, you know, the errors ha- eras have been distinctively identified that, you know, during the 60s and early 70s it was Cowboys were America's team. And then you had the rise of the 49ers and their dynasty and the rise of, you know, lately uh, the Tom Brady, New England Patriot era. Just I'm just talking about pro sport. And then, you know, the series that ESPN's put out there about the last dance and chronicling Jordan's career and all of that, all of that feeds something. And, and I think – uh, for me, and I think this is true for most of us, um, that if we, if I am not filling my life with and living in light of this relationship that Christ has for me and him being the one that I love above all else, then that longing has to be filled with something. Uh, Jeremiah said it, the Lord said it in Jeremiah 2, he said, my people have committed two evils. They've rejected me, the fountain of living water, and hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So I think by nature we're thirsty people. We long for fulfillment and satisfaction and identity and all of that. And if if I'm not, and I'll just talk personally, if I'm not drawing that from the Lord, then I'm going to draw it from somewhere. Now, it doesn't just have to be related to sports. Blake's going to talk about music and the role that that plays in so many lives. Or we could talk about our relationship with our mate or our children or our success or you know, our pursuit or our possessions. or you know, we, we could talk about a lot of those things because we were designed... Uh, it's, it's like the one guy said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. 
and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. So um, if we move into an area of sports and we think about just because that's my what you've asked me to talk about, um, if I am um, misapplying or if, I, if I'm – if I'm using those for some inappropriate purpose, you use the word idolatry at the beginning, then it, it can become an idol. I think the, the question is, how does that not happen? And I think that the tendency that we have with all of these areas, but again, talking about sports, is we have to see them as a gift. Right, yeah. And not as the giver of life. If we ever see something else as that's where I get my life, then we're getting our life from the wrong place. And so, I mean, that's what I had to address with my emotional, I don't know if you'll call it spiritual, but personal devotion to the Cowboys is I had to come to realize that I can't let that be my life. You know, I, I can enjoy them, I can celebrate them, but if they ever become anything more than a gift that I enjoy, then I'm then I'm in an unhealthy place spiritually, right. relationally, emotionally, whatever. Um, yeah. But 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 I can make the same mistake with my wife, with Becca. I make can make the same mistake with my three daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the question is, what am I? What is filling that cistern mm-hmm. in my life? And if it's not the fountain of living water, that's the message I did a couple of weeks ago on the woman at the well. She found it through male relationships. Mm-hmm, right. So for me, and I think for a lot of people, sports can be that area where we look to to kind of fill us up, satisfy those longings for significance and importance and value, or it can be any other thing. But for but I, I, I can recognize the areas that I've mentioned where – I've had to come to the Lord and ask him to forgive me and turn my heart and not let that have the inappropriate place that yeah. it has. And, and and then the balance is, uh, let's say the Cowboys go on a 16-0 and streak <laughs> next season, if they have a Talk season. Talk about slim odds there. Yeah, right? well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you probably couldn't get that bet in Vegas. Not that I'm a betting man, you understand. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, I, think, I think you just – I have to be – just watching that in my own life. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so much of what you said is, is so true. And, and part of part of that for me comes down to when you talk about how, how do you know when it's gotten that far? How do you know when it's a problem? I think us married guys, you know, have a we have a sort of a meter built into our marriage where our wife will say, you're you're too, you know, wrapped up in wrapped this. up in this. I mean, my wife's, you know, real real quick to kind of why are you why are you so upset right now um especially like right when we got married and she was kind of discovering just how deep in it I was um but I think I think recognizing when you know you you use the example of uh, the cowboys losing ruins your week you know takes you a week to recover and and so I think understanding like how much does this affect my emotional state and then how and then how does that bleed into like relationships how does it if if a team losing a game causes me to treat another person poorly i am way too deep into whatever i'm i'm engaged with you know so there's there's certainly that and then and then thinking about what causes it i you use the word identity you know in in your answer and and i think that's part of the reason sports teams are so successful 
uh, in terms of, you know, financially successful and, and, um, and being profitable is they capitalize on this idea of a, a city or a school identity, you know, and, and there's just a built in market of, of people who will, doesn't matter who plays for the team, doesn't matter who coaches the team. Sometimes it doesn't even matter how good the team is. If it's if that if their jersey says your city on it, you know you're gonna you need to represent that team or you're gonna support that team. You're gonna go to the games because it's your it's your city. You know, there's this idea of identity, and I think when we when we allow that that idea about my identity is somehow attached to this team, then that's when you're really start you're really gonna see the potential for yeah, you're going to take this too far. You're going to take this too seriously because you think this has something to do with your identity, you know, yeah. and that a loss is a is a hit to your identity and a win it's, is a it builds up your identity. I mean, that's if you know, if if that's how we think about something, then of course we're going to be too emotionally, you know, volatile personally and, invested. Yeah, so so I think I think understanding, you know, is we ask the question as youth pastors all the time, what's my identity in? You know, we, we present that question to yeah. students to the point that it almost probably it gets to be repetitive and then sort of rings hollow. But it's a it's a real question that's worth asking, not just about sports, but about anything and, and saying, where where have I put my identity? And 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 so I think with that question is what what, uh, you know, a team losing or a winning or whatever else, you know, um, might happen. How, if that affects the way I view myself or the way I worry about other people viewing me, mm-hmm. that's, that's when I know my identity is wrapped up in yeah. something, you know? And, yeah. and so, yeah, I think it's, I, I think understanding when we've crossed that line from enjoying the gift, yeah. right? Yeah. And Enjo- seeing it as a gift. Yeah. Enjoying what God has, has given us to, to enjoy and having fun with. That's why, that's one of the reasons I love, you know, fantasy football. We have a fantasy football league here at the office, and yeah, it's just which I'm terrible, at. <laughs> and it's just a lot of fun to. I used to be good at it. Yeah, well, not it's, anymore. It's a lot of fun to engage in that and and have something to talk about with everybody and all that. But then when when it crosses into you know, I I you know I don't want to. If some you were like, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to show my face in the office because I lost to Blake the other day. You know, like <laughs> the guy who knows nothing about it. <laughs> it's like I, th- I think that's too far. I think well, I'm going too far. Yeah, the, the idea that fantasy sports is not built upon your knowledge of what goes on in that particular sport is demonstrated by when our family does uh, um, NCAA tournament. Right. Yeah. Um, we do a grid or whatever. The bracket. Yeah, we do brackets and enter them into some one of the online deals and see who to well when your um 11 year old granddaughter who's never watched a college (laughs) basketball game in her life but picked it because she likes the sound of their name (laughs) and she wins the whole thing you you know that probably you know this this shouldn't be this important to me you know nolan one of the things that i think too and i don't know if we touched on a minute ago is how when um, when professional sports and college sports especially realized how much money was to be made, yeah. uh, we got a lot more of them. We got a lot more options on uh, what I call witness wear, you know, T-shirts and caps and coats and jackets. And, um, and, and then it kind of amazes me 
at the kind of resources people are willing to devote to having all of that stuff. Right. But, uh, you know, and that's kind of going back to the Cowboys. That's kind of what Jerry Jones did for the NFL. Mm -hmm. When he came in, they eventually got him on the negotiating team with the broadcast, and he didn't think the NFL was charging enough for their broadcast mm -hmm. rights, so he kind of flipped the game on them and made a contract with Fox Sports to carry some Cowboy, carry some NFL games and got way more money than CBS or NBC or ABC or ESPN or whoever were paying. And so that became the new standard. And that's when the big money in the NFL started to – that's when the salaries went from several hundred thousand a year to multi-millions a year because – they were bringing in so many more resources. Matter of fact, Jerry Jones, they had a contract. The NFL had a contract with Coke, Coca-Cola. That was the brand of the NFL. Jerry Jones made a deal in his stadium when he still had Texas Stadium with Pepsi. And they said, well, you can't do that. He, says, he said, this isn't the NFL. This is, you know, this is Texas State, you know. But he, he found a way to make money. And, oh, yeah. You know, and then obviously – you just follow what he did with AT&T Stadium and all that. But, and, and I'm not necessarily saying anything other than that uh, there, there's always been a phrase, follow the money. You want to know where something, where the truth of something is, there's some aspect that the money plays a huge part in it. And I think we as Americans kind of follow that. You know, oh, is this a successful thing? And it's measured by the resources, and mm -hmm. then they get the TV time and uh, – and I think going back to the ESPN comment, we get inundated now. Yeah. Now, not so much during COVID because who wants to watch the 1981 <laughs> national uh, they're, collegiate? They're, they're pulling everything out of the vault. NCAA right now. basketball champion. I mean, I, I really have no desire. Sure. But um, you know, th just this week, I think they're starting back some some sports and ba I think you told me that baseball MLB has I saw something about a yeah they're, getting, getting they're ready getting, get, yeah. telling their players to get ready to get the season started so but I, you know that's for me it has to be a matter of seeing it as a gift I can enjoy and then I have to be honest with myself can I enjoy it responsibly yeah or will it take me into an unhealthy place where it'll preoccupy more of my heart and mind than is healthy yeah, and, and you talk about the money, and I think that brings up another interesting aspect to all this. When we, if you have a relationship with your team, you know, of I'm a I'm a fan to whatever extent I'm a fan, and you think about it as a relationship, and and the the balance or imbalance of the relationship. If you see your team and you're I'm a, you know, I'm a fan. I'll always be a fan, no matter what they do. That relationship isn't mutual you know it doesn't go both ways the the team sees you as an opportunity to make money and mm -hmm. they'll do whatever they can to make money off of you and you know people get mad when their team when their favorite player on their favorite team you know goes somewhere else and signs a contract for more money or, or right. whatever and or an owner makes a decision that's financial you know and and it disregards you know the the, the purity of the game or something like that we get well it's a business yeah and and, and i think to you know it it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense to to think that you know you have this mutual relationship, and not that not that people necessarily think that. But if you step back and recognize that, then you go, yeah, it doesn't, it isn't real logical for me to be as invested as I might might be in my team when I recognize like they're just a money making business, yeah. you know, and they're going to do what they 
need to do to make money. And that doesn't really, it, they don't account for how I feel about it. And, and then, you know, they're not, you know, trying to reward my loyalty necessarily. I don't think in the early 60s, mid 60s, that most professional sports and maybe even collegiate sports thought of themselves as entertainment. But, and I know you're going to get into the entertainment aspect of music with Blake in a minute, but somewhere with the predominance of the money and the exposure and the uh, cable TV that first came and then satellite TV, there's just, you know, sports has become a lot, not just of good competition that we enjoy, but it's become entertainment. And if oh, yeah. they're not entertaining Definitely. me, you know, either by winning or by having a high-powered offense or whatever. I mean, I don't know if you watched any NFL football last year, but Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs were the most entertaining thing in the world to watch because they could be down by three touchdowns yeah. with five or ten minutes left, and 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 Mahomes Wouldn't put on reach. that, yeah, yeah, just you know, puts on a show, and that'll probably be, you know, this has been the Brady um, Belichick era. But now that's split up, so you know probably it'll be the Mahomes Andy Reid era mm -hmm. in, in in NFL football. But anyway, it's an it's become entertainment, and and you know you said something about being competitive, and uh, you know our whole family is competitive. We and I uh, maybe I infected them with that. I don't know, but we we get competitive in our in our um, what's the um, in our when we do the NCAA <coughs> basketball brackets or whatever, um, you know we we just and and I think part of the thing is I love the competition and, and I get a little angry if the, I don't think they're taking it as seriously as <laughs> yeah. I'm taking it. So yeah. Anyway, but um, I've had Becca has to. I mean, she's competitive too, but she has to kind of like you said, Suze does. Really, mm -hmm. this is that important to yeah, you? Yeah, which is funny. For me, because because Suze is, you know, she's the college athlete in our family and super competitive, and yeah. and so for her to, you know, kind of call oh, yeah yeah call me out, it's like, really, you're you're this invested? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I probably should check my heart. But so so just to to kind of wrap the this this whole conversation up on sports, what do you think it looks like for somebody to to really? I mean, obviously, we're not saying don't don't love sports, right. don't don't you know watch them and if you're if you're too heavily invested you just need to you just need to never you know watch sports again or whatever what do you think it looks like to have that healthy relationship where you're putting it in the proper context and enjoying it as the gift yeah. let, me, let, let me let me go back to something you you touched on and I'll, I'll say i think that if you're following a, a any sport or team or whatever you do that you follow and we're talking about sports if you have one of, I think, these three emotions are kind of like warnings, lights on the dashboard of your car. If you get angry, I mean, unrighteously angry when they lose mm -hmm. and you carry that, then you probably have a goal for that, that team to do something for you that they're not coming through. If you get depressed... You know, and I'm not saying depression is wrong, but if you, because of their loss, you find yourself, like I would in college, get sunk down into kind of some kind of mild depression for a week until the Cowboys won right, the yeah. next week, then you have to ask yourself, because, because the outcome's uncertain, okay, 
so is the, if the outcome's uncertain uh, or if, um, and, 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 and this might be more in, in your own competition that you might enter into with some sport, but if you, but if you feel kind of what I'd call unnatural guilt or un, a false guilt, mm -hmm. then you may have put them into a place where they never belonged anyway. But I think anger, guilt, and depression are the three warning lights that come up anytime we have an inappropriate dependence on some, it can be a sports team or any of the other areas that we talked about. So for, for so that's the negative answer. If I see those things, I know that I'm, I need to step back and turn my heart back to him and let him see what's going on. Why am I so angry at the Cowboys? Why am I so, um, why, why am I so depressed or, or, or what am I feeling guilty about? You know, so that's that. So the answer, but the, the question you ask is how do we do that? I think we just have, Larry Crabb has said, and I know we've referenced him in this series, several of us have, but he says, um, that the, um, the whole perspective of how we walk through life the greatest, one of the greatest traits that you can have is self-awareness. Do yeah, I understand mm -hmm. my heart? Do I understand? And sometimes we need to have some other people that are helping us see our heart. I've had to do that twice this week, not realizing how I was coming across, mm -hmm. not realizing that underneath was probably some stuff that I needed to address. Um, and I had to go apologize to a couple of guys because I needed uh, th those were kind of calls to self awareness. What's going on in me? Why am I? Why mm -hmm. am I doing that? Yeah. Tom would often do that with me. He said, "Reggie, what's the matter? Something's the matter. What's going on?" And so I think we have to have a, a, a healthy self awareness yeah. and be honest with ourselves. Me, be honest with me. You, be honest with you. Is this taking an inappropriate place? Has this? creeped into your good heart. You, mm -hmm. you know, we all know Christ. We all have good hearts. We have new hearts. Mm -hmm. But we also have the flesh. Yeah. And is this flesh taking over? And and am I, am I aware of it? And am I dealing with it by coming to the Lord and yielding that to him and trusting him as he lives in me to mature me to what he wants me to be? I think that's self-awareness. And, and, and if I don't know then I probably just need to get somebody that really loves me and knows me and that I'm safe with and just say, hey, do you think I'm having an inappropriate devotion to this or that? Or, you know, I, I'm feeling some things that I don't know where to, where to put them. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think the, the whole issue of self-awareness yeah. is, uh, and, and, and like you said, Suze is a good source for your self-awareness. Oh, yeah, if you're married. And, and Becca's a good source. Mm -hmm. And Caroline's mm -hmm. a good source for Blake. Yeah, you know, so, um, but but I think that whole self-awareness and watch over your heart, you know, yeah. the, with all diligence, for out of it flow the springs of life. Mm -hmm. and, and it can be, just become a heart issue. Yeah. And so, you know, I hope the Cowboys go 16-0 and 0 and win the Super Bowl, and uh, I'm probably going to pull for them. I don't know how much they'd have to do to make me never care about them right, again. Yeah. But I don't need to have them as the thing that amalgamates or energizes my life or whatever. Yeah, right. Life will go on if they don't do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, Blake, let's uh, let's turn to music now and and talk a little bit about music. Obviously, as a worship pastor, uh, you you are involved with music every day, and it's what you do when you come into the office, and um, and so you have a, a very close relationship with music. But outside of work, what does it look like for you? How do you how would you define the way that you engage with music? Um, well, like for me, you know, music is it it. I remember when I first started really getting into it, um, when I was in, oh, I think I was in sixth grade, and I remember listening to music in my room by myself and thinking, man, what's making all all of these sounds, you know? And it was probably during the MTV, you know, music video, you know, you see your bands playing these songs, and so... um, I remember seeing somebody play a guitar and I was like, man, I I really want to learn how to do that. That's cool. I was like, that looks so cool. (laughs) Um, And so I remember going up to my mom and saying, hey, can I, uh, can we do like guitar lessons? And so that's kind of how it all started. That relationship with music started with me. And she, uh, we went to a local music store and she bought this, uh, well, no, so she didn't buy, buy it. She actually rented it just in case like a few months later, you know, I wasn't into guitar anymore. And so, you know, we wouldn't be wasting money on this guitar. Right. And so anyway, she rented this acoustic guitar and with it came, you know, she also got me like a lessons that we paid for monthly. Um, and so I had a guitar teacher and I did that for about a year and, uh, he would teach me a couple of things. One thing was, was like the sheet music and just how to play and things like that. Uh, but every week what he would do, he would say, Blake, bring me a CD, you know, bring me whatever CD you want. And I'm also going to teach you how to learn to play by ear. Um, and so I would bring, you know, the, uh, that was my favorite part of it, you know? So we would, I would go home and I'd practice like constantly so that when we had to do the book stuff, we would just kind of just go through it as fast as we could. So So I could say, Hey, play this for me. And so what he would do, he would put this uh, CD into a, to his like CD player. For our younger listeners, a CD is a round thing that would go in (laughs) a machine that would spit out sound when you played it. Exactly. Exactly. We didn't have YouTube or, you know, anything like that. So, um, and so like that was also significant because like he would teach me how to play these songs by ear. Um, and so now, um, when I'm listening to something, you know, again, at the time, like there wasn't any way for me to learn how to play these songs unless I wanted to go out and buy sheet music. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a channel on YouTube. YouTube wasn't around, so you couldn't just get on and figure out how to play these songs. So it was kind of like just listen to it and w- let's see what happens. And so that was pretty significant for me because that's how I learned how to... And that's what I do now when I come to the to the office if, if we're going to play a new song on Sunday or... Um, if I need to make a chart for our team, you know, like that's you'll how listen, you'll listen to it and learn it by. Yeah, I'll just listen to it wow. and, and learn it by learn the chord structure, learn it by ear, and then translate that to a chart and oh, then wow. send that to our our team. And so, for um, those who think Blake only works two months a year, <laughs> Christmas and Easter, there's more. There's so much more. And I that's, one day a week. Yes, yes one day a she week. Asked yeah. my mother. She always said I had to. I'd go see her at the um, home and. 
I said, I got to go to work. I thought you only work one day a week. I, you know, yeah, that's the burden we live with. Yes. yes, there you go. So your your worship pastor, part of what he's doing is, to me, a pretty that's pretty insanely difficult because he's listening to new music and hearing how, what chords it is and then charting them mm-hmm. to to give them out to the band. That's okay. It's so it's fun though. You know, it's it's like. It's that problem solving topic. Well, of I deal, hope it's you know? fun for and, you. And so it's it's kind Doesn't of sound fun to me. It's I enjoy it. Um, but so my my relationship with music is is for me, you know, growing up, it was such a significant part of how I expressed creativity and yeah. you know ideas and things like that. Because you know y'all are sitting here talking about sports and and for me that was kind of my thing. You mm-hmm. know, um, I grew up and. I tried different sports and that was the good thing about, you know, growing up in, in as a kid of like, what do I enjoy doing? What do I not like doing? And so I, I played every sport, um, to find out, man, I just, either I'm not that good <laughs> or I just don't really like it that much. Yeah. Um, and so music was one of those things of like, Hey, I think this, this makes sense to me. Um, and so music has always been one of those things of, it makes sense to me, and and it's a way for me to express, you know, emotions, or to be creative, yeah. or to you know, uh, to really engage with that, you know, and and so that's always been my relationship with it. Is is it's a way for me to express uh, what I think and what I feel. Yeah, and 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 speaking of that relationship, what what kind of music, uh, you know, you're you're in here finding worship songs and obviously trying to learn how to play those and and make charts out of those and yeah. things like that but aside from worship music what's what kind of music do you like to listen yeah, to so, I know the answer to this but yeah, just for you, people you know, listening um you know it's weird like you know how sometimes you get on Netflix and mm-hmm. you're trying to look for something new and you end up spending like an hour and a half looking for something new only to watch the office you know <laughs> yes. and so like that's me um, and unfortunately music is no different. So like when people send me new music or, or something like that, um, I, I just, I'm not like a new music guy. I kind of have my, Find my, my going roots. Back. Yeah. yeah. So even, even when I listen to the new stuff, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. But then I'll see my old, you know, Spotify oh, playlist. I'm the same and, like, way you know, too. and so like nineties rock, um, yes. anything from there is, you know, cause that's, and, and kind of to go back to you, to that first question about my relationship with music, so much of the music that I would learn was was '90s rock, you know, Foo Fighters and things like that. And so I would just hear that and listen to that, and so that became a big part of what was my favorite types of, types of music. Mm-hmm. And so now, when I get in my car on my way home, um, or if I'm going anywhere, sometimes I prefer just the silence. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm going to listen to something, it's usually something that's really familiar. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I don't have a long commute home, so yeah, it's got to count. All three minutes. You know? you yeah, get one got, song. Those three minutes have to count. Um, I love Need to Breathe, as you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and New so, album coming out. Yes. And so I don't know what you would call that, like rock. They call poppers. themselves soft, soft rock. So, so Okay, yeah, there you yeah. go. And so... Um, you know, they're live in the woods, or what was it, live from the woods? Are you talking about the more recent one, acoustic volume one? Yeah, so they have, yeah. so... And then live so from the woods. So there's acoustic, yeah, the acoustic album, I mean, I love that oh, album. Yeah. And then the one before that, which was not acoustic, is full band, but it was live, live from the woods. Mm-hmm. Those two albums yeah. are just 
We listen. So we listen to acoustic volume one basically every night at dinner, and our yeah. kid will turn on the the first song. You know, when the crowd kind of builds and they uh-huh. start cheering, and our kids like cheer with the crowd, and yes. then they break into the music. Yes. And our kids sing the lyrics. I'm so proud. And then yes, and then getting to see them live. You know, we went to that. Ugh. The, the um, we've been to two of their concerts. It was at a zoo, right? Mm-hmm. An outdoor Oklahoma amphitheater. And, I mean, it was so good. That one. Um, Anyway, and did at the end where they this do could that become kind of a need to breathe thing. podcast yeah, if we're not careful. Yeah, yeah, I know. But anyway, so that that's um, that's what I, I love listening to that. Um, so any of that acoustic, and, and again, like because learning on an acoustic, and and you know, even when I started leading worship, I I I was kind of by myself a lot of the time. So that means it was just me and an acoustic guitar. Yeah, and so that that became a lot of my influence as well of just listening to like singer songwriter style stuff right. and and yeah so um speaking then also as a wor- worship pastor you know what do you think what do you think the the design for music was for for god giving us music what 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 do you think he intended for us to use it for and and yeah i mean you're being a worship pastor i think you think about the theological side of it mm-hmm. more than a lot of us so where do you see music fitting into god's sort of creative design. Yeah, well, first off, I'm so thankful that he created it, you know, um, because I think... You'd be unemployed without I, it. Exactly, right? Um, you know, I think that obviously he created it for us to enjoy it, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I think about our kids, for example. Um, we're teaching them things at early ages, and one of the methods that we're using to teach them is through song is through a melody, is through things rhyming, you know, like the ABCs, you know, or that's how Emerson learned her days. You know, our yeah. daughter, that's how she learned her days, Monday, Tuesday, you know, Monday through Sunday. Like, um, and so music also has a really, it's a significant way for us to learn things um, because it reminds us. And so, you know, we can create these melodies and through these melodies, we can repeat them over and over again, and it's ingrained. And in the us. words are easy to remember. Yes, that way. And so yeah. it's it's a teaching tool, um, and so I think that God intended it for for music to be a teaching tool. I um, mean, one of the verses that I think of when I think of music is Colossians three sixteen. It says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms mm. and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God." Yeah. And so, like when I think of music and in regard to like worship, um, the Sunday morning context, but even outside of that, you know, music I think is designed to be a way for us to sing God's word. Uh, to communicate scripture to one another, to encourage one another, to teach, to admonish, and so, and to do it together. You know, music is such a participatory thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that people do together, yeah. which has been yeah. really unfortunate through the time of quarantine, yeah. where you you miss a big room of of yeah. people singing together and finding encouragement through that. And so, I think that also um, kind of helps people understand your perspective standing up there on stage you know we've talked about this in meetings and things like that but i think for people Mm -hmm. who are sitting at home watching our church service online and seeing you sing i think it's easy to miss that element that you're Mm -hmm. talking about Mm -hmm. and just oh there's blake up there with his guitar just like always you know there's almost nothing different right now but from your perspective it's 
when the way that you're talking, and I'm sure there are a lot of people in our church who who agree with this, but for it to be such a communal activity, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, and that it's so much about singing together to you and in your mind, and to not have that really, I you know. Dim, not maybe I don't want to say diminishes because it, you know. Well, yeah, I know what you mean though. It's the it's value different. of what you're doing yeah. is still there, but but one of the one of the biggest elements that makes it what it is right. is absent with the and that and that expands community. you know outside of music as well, just with with the way things are right yeah. now. I'm just being together in general, but you know I think that um, like I was saying with with our kids, we're we're using music to teach them what is true and what is right. You know. And that's, I th- that's a great point. And I think that's kind of the same thing with with worship music is or song songs that are um, influenced by scripture, and sometimes more than that are scripture. You yeah. know, songs that are directly, you know, something out of the Psalms or you know a biblical truth about God or about His character or who He's what He's revealed to us. Um, and when we continually sing that, it gets locked in our brains, right? And so as we sing that, we're reminded of that truth, and we're reminded of who God is, we're reminded of what He has done, and so that I think that that just draws us back to Him. So I think, I think God created music as a way for us to draw near um, and just to be reminded of who He is and not forget it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a it's a really significant way for us to learn the scriptures and to teach them. Yeah, that's a great point. And thinking about the community aspect of it, and I, we you know that need to breathe concert that we we've been to a couple, but that one you're talking about, you know, when, when a few of our friends, I think it, my my wife got me the ticket for my thirtieth birthday, and then I think a lot of the other wives got them mm-hmm. for their husbands for their birthday, and you know we went to that concert, and Susan and I still talk about that to this day as one of our favorite memories of all time. I mean, yeah. just, and, and to think about what that was, it was a group of friends gathered for music, mm-hmm. you know, and music was the kind of focal point of that. And we sat out there on that, you know, in that amphitheater on our, on the blankets or whatever, and listened to music together, sang along together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just generally enjoyed music together. And I think that's, that speaks to the power of music to, to draw people right. together. and Well, and that, that goes off another thing, too. It's, it's music, to me, is one of those things that connects the head and the heart, you know? And yeah. so when we, when we think about Scripture, it's one of those things. Also that, a great band. There you go. Um, I'll have to ask you about that later since I have my roots, you know, <laughs> yes. my foundation, so I have no idea who you're talking about. But, um, you know, I think you're that, band. <laughs> you know, music helps us to sing what is true. You know, if you're if we're talking about it from the from the perspective of worship music, it we we sing what's true, uh, but it also helps us form an emotional connection to the truth. Yeah. So I think it does a good job of connecting head and heart that mm-hmm. that we're not so um tied just to the the knowledge aspect of it, but what that knowledge can do, you know, yeah. and um what that means for us. You know, I think yeah. it just does a good job of connecting the emotional to the what's true. Yeah. You know, I know this isn't my area, but one thing that as y'all are talking, how many of us, if something plays on the radio or on a podcast or something, 
and we automatically know the words mm-hmm. because we listened to it in the past, but we may not have heard it for 10 years. Yeah. yeah. But it, those words are there, and, and music has a way of enabling us to, me- to remember things that we may have tried to memorize or whatever, mm-hmm. but if we just try to do it rotely, it doesn't stick near as much as if it was put to a tune yeah. and and you can, I, I still remember some, one of the ladies in our church wrote some lyrics for some Bible verses and I can yeah. still sing those Bible verses yeah, in course. my mind. Yeah. So, so, so that power to connect into our memory banks is, and, and, and you say, and you're teaching your kids those kind of things through music. Um, you know, that, that'll stick with them. Yeah. Quite a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you know, it gets burned in there somehow. And yeah. the, the, what you're saying too is uh, speaks to the, the, what music is and how we consume it. You know, I, I know a lot of people, I'm not one of these people, but a lot of people, when they talk about watching a movie, they'll watch a movie one time. They don't want to watch it again. You know, they don't sit down and turn on Netflix or whatever and go, I want to watch an, a movie that I've seen before. You know, my wife doesn't like to rewatch movies for the most part. I could, but, but a lot of people don't. But songs, they're, they're really, anybody who likes mm-hmm. music, listens to music, doesn't listen to a song and go, okay, I've heard that song, don't need to listen to it again. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, we'll yeah. listen to songs over and over and over again. I mean, this is what, what you're talking about, going back to the music you like. You know, you'd, rather, you'd almost rather listen to a song you know and love than a new song. I would. I'd rather go listen to one of my playlists, uh, The Head and the Heart, uh, Rivers and Roads. <laughs> I'm going to introduce you to that one. So, um, Poor Tops. Um, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Otis Redden. Oh no! Redding. Sorry, those are all sixties. You, you can introduce soul us. To, bands, you yeah. can introduce us soul, to, soul, to soul. that. Um, but but I, you know, I think I think part of why music is effective in the way you're talking about is because we we almost always listen to music over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. You know? So so that's that's part of that. You know what makes it kind of take its place in our hearts that it, that right. it has. But you know we talk about sports being idolized and and how it can you know kind of be misused and and abused but how how do you see that happen with music what's what does it look like for music to become idolized for a person yeah I mean it can it can be dangerous just like anything else you know um and as I was listening to y'all talk I was like man I mean this applies to everything and, and music is is a part of that you know where um what is originally something that is 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 good right and and meant to be enjoyed can ultimately be um, made into something that can be toxic, yeah. right? And music is is a part of that. Um, and so I think that um, I think it's misused and just as y'all are talking about the entertainment side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's just kind of a it can be like a, like a money machine type oh, of yeah, deal. For and, sure. and so. Um, it can lack the depth, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the term sellout came from musicians who oh, absolutely. stopped yeah, yeah, yeah. using their, you know, creativity and artistry and started just going where the money was. Right. And so... I could be wrong. Well, I, I, I wouldn't know, but it sounds right. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that obviously, and it, you have to ask the question, you know, what is the music about? What do we sing? What are, what are these artists singing about? You know, I remember, um, like listening to a lot of these songs in the nineties as a kid and not having any clue what they meant. 
and I was singing along with them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once, you know, 10 years later, <laughs> I go back and I listen to it. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like I was saying that, you know yeah. what I mean? And because now I know what those things mean, you know, or, right. or I can interpret oh, those sure. lyrics for sure. You know, um, you know, but, but music as, as it can be about the Lord, it can be about anything else. And so we have to be really careful with what we are um, exposed to in that, just as, you know, if, if you're going to watch a movie or if you're going to go to a sporting event or you just have to keep your heart in check um, because the more you let in, it'll begin to affect the way you live and the way that you see things. And so I think you just have to have a, a gauge on that and you have to keep that in check. You have to have some sort of grid um, when you're really doing anything and listening to music is a part of that as well, because, yeah. um, it can be dangerous. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think the part that, as you were saying that, Blake goes back to the part of the thing I referenced about the heart, you know, we, our heart can go in, in a lot of un, unhealthy places. And that's why we have to listen with, um, critique Mm -hmm. You know, and kind of make sure that we're not buying into some introspection, yeah, you know, some kind of philosophy of life that we don't embrace, but yeah, we enjoy the song, and so we and, and that may you know that we just have to be careful about yeah about letting that shift our hearts and thoughts and focus. I mean, I do. Well, yeah, and go ahead. I was, well, I was going to say, you know. You talked about being a kid and singing along with songs and then mm -hmm. growing up and realizing what you were actually singing along with. And I think about being probably nine or ten years old, and, and I asked my dad to, to on his way home from work one day if he would go buy me a CD. And it, I think it was an Everclear CD, um, the <laughs> band Everclear, um, you know. And uh, and I you talk about 90s rock. I mean, that was yeah, like that quintessential was, 90s yes, rock. Yes. But but um, and it's an album that I you know I've I still listen to that album you know but my dad was he went to go buy it and and uh, you know being the the involved and engaged father that he was I mean he wasn't going to just go buy it and bring it home he kind of looked at, looked into it and uh, read the, all the song yeah titles. read 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 all the song titles and everything and, he, and I remember he came home and he couldn't Google the lyrics and yet, I was and I, yeah exactly and I was so excited when he got home because I was like oh, I'm going to get my CD you know and I ran to the door and he walked in empty handed and I'm like. Where's my Where's my CD? And he's like, I didn't buy it. And I was like, Why not? And he's like, I looked at the songs, and there were some songs on there. And you know, there was a song that the I think I want to say the song that he I think the title was Why I Don't Believe in God, hmm. which is not a song that I remember. You know, any it was you know it was one of their deeper tracks. It wasn't like a, a single or anything like that. And I to this day I still don't even know that song. But um, I think that was the title of the song. And he said I, they have a song called why well, i don't believe in god and I, I don't want you listening to that and i being nine or ten years old i was so mad you yeah know? i was like what i it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't mean yes. anything you know and yeah and but you you just said this about worship music songs remind us of things they teach us of things they help us to remember things mm -hmm. and you know thinking to thinking back to my you know watchful parent not allowing me to listen to something that taught it had it did teach something you know it, it had a point but it wasn't the truth that my dad wanted me to hear and for him to say i don't i don't want you reminding yourself of that i don't want you learning that memorizing that reciting that yeah singing that you know now i'm i look back and i'm like wow that was 
I get it, you know. And as well, a kid, I was resentful, but now I'm like, yeah. If music has the power to teach, and it has the power to remind us, and it has the, you know, all the things that you talk about with why we sing it in church, mm-hmm. then you know, music can be misused, you know, for the sort of oppositional purposes. And like you said, you know, when we watch a movie, you know, sometimes we just watch it one time, and and that's kind of it, you know, and. We may it may be a few years before we see that movie again. Um, with music, that's often not the case. You yeah. know, like when you, I mean, I remember getting a CD as a kid, and <clears throat> I mean, I would play that the entire week. Oh and, yeah, and more. You know, you'd wear it out. You know, mm-hmm. to where you were sick of it, um, and then you'd have like your four go-to songs that were oh, the yeah. ones. You know what I mean? And so, y- you know, you are constantly giving yourself over to that. You know whether you realize it or not. And that's not to say, you know, is it, and I'm not trying to be like black and white, you know, like, you know, there's certain things that, that, um, that's not to say we should go out and throw out everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but we do have to be wise about where our hearts are because we are constantly giving, you know, in listening to something, um, we are exposed to that. Oh yeah, and we have no control over whether it's, shape, it's true it's or false. Shaping us, yes, it's shaping our minds. Yeah, and I, um, I always make this reference with my students. They've they've probably heard me say this over and over again. But you know, when I was at A and M and at Breakaway, the the big campus wide Bible study that we had, and Ben Stewart was the was the teacher back then. And I remember I, I wrote it down and I had it taped a uh, sticky note on my on my computer. You know monitor when I was in college, but, and I still remember it, he said, be careful what you're putting in your mind, uh, yeah, because what you think about is what you'll desire, and what you, what you desire is what you'll chase. That's great. And, and I've, I mean, that is burned into my memory, mm-hmm. and I think about that quote when we talk about this topic of music and what you're putting in your mind. He would, he'd said, be careful what you're putting in your mind, and so music inevitably puts things in our mind. It puts words, but then it also puts images. I mean, it paints a picture values. And, and values for sure. And so, you know, music has the power to shape our minds. And then you think about Romans 12 and, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. And that's God trying to harness, you know, want, or, or, you know, Paul's describing harnessing that pattern and that practice for good and understanding that it can be it can be used for bad too. Yeah, because I mean, music I think was meant to be participatory. You were meant to sing along with it, you know. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. what are you singing? What are you singing about? You know. And I, I, I learned that I have to be careful, you know, with with what I'm allowing myself to listen to. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's that's Christian music too. You know, there's not sometimes there's not, and I know we'll get to that yep. in a second, but. Um, there's not a uh, what was I saying? It's it's not easy just to say, well, um, I'm not going to let this affect me or or something like that. And so I know certain certain music or certain artists that I shouldn't listen to um, because of maybe the thoughts that I will think as a result. And you know, Reggie, as you were saying, kind of that guilt, anger, and and you know, when I begin to feel those things about things that I've listened to. Or, you know, things that you've seen in a movie or, you know, mm-hmm. you begin to think, ah, you know, maybe maybe I need to not do that or maybe I need to, you know, there's some bands and music that I can listen to and it has, I don't really think about it, you know, I, I, it's fine, 
Um, but there's some stuff that like it can take your your mind and your thoughts to a dangerous place, and that's where it's okay. And I think that line is going to be different. I mean, it's it's going to yeah, be different for everybody, you mm-hmm. know. And and like there are certain things that that people will do that other people won't do because right. it could it may be a source of temptation for some where it's not yes. for others. Yeah. And so you just have to. And obviously, there are those things that are temptations for all, but you know, we each kind of have to be careful with what we're... It, it kind of falls into middle matters. Yeah. You know, things that God hasn't specific. I mean, there's not a verse you can find in the Bible that says, don't listen to rock music. Yeah. yeah. You know, but you need to monitor. Be what, wise. Be wise. And, and, like, and I appreciate what you said, Blake, because it's going to vary. Mm-hmm. You have the freedom probably to listen to some things that I may not have the freedom to listen to. And it's not that they're immoral or unrighteous. It just they may take me, like you said a minute ago, to a, to an unhealthy place. And I have to, and that goes back to what I think I said about self awareness. Yeah, we have to know ourselves, and you know I can't go there. Yeah, yeah, or, absolutely. You know, and, and but 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 I can't. This is the other side of it. I need to be careful. I don't judge you for being able to go yes. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. It, if yeah. it's definitely, in a definitely. if it's in a non moral middle matter kind of way, like mm-hmm. the meat offered to idols was in the first century. Right, yeah. You know, some people had the freedom to eat it and some people didn't. And Paul said, don't judge the ones that do. Don't judge the ones that don't mm-hmm. let your conviction be between you and the Lord. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. and I think when I think about that, that quote from Ben Stewart, I think a good way of processing that as you are evaluating yourself and you are evaluating what you're listening to and asking that question it's, would you would you say that quote again? Yeah, what are you putting into your mind? Because what you think about is what you'll desire, and what you desire is what you'll chase. Yeah, and so I think that that gives you sort of a a, a check that you can go through. It. What so what are you putting in your mind? What music are you listening to? And then you know what does that cause you to desire? And mm-hmm. and does it cause you to desire things that you know are contradictory to God's? desire for your life, his will for your life. And and then how how do those desires play out in your behaviors? I mean, are you seeing yourself, you know, struggle with sins and are you, are you seeing yourself yeah. struggle to to resist the temptation to pursue those things and and so if if you find yourself in that pattern of man, this this is really shaping what I think about. It's it you know, I think way more about blank when I listen to that music mm-hmm. than I than I should or or that I than I want to. And then on the on the flip side of that, what can I put into my mind that really shapes you know renews my mind and mm-hmm. and shapes my thoughts for 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 God's purposes and and that's where I think you know the one of the ways that I've sort of harnessed music and tried to use it for you know for for the glory of God and for for the benefit of of growing in my faith is understanding two things and you've touched on one of them a lot through this is music has the power to teach us so so the lyrics that we're singing or hearing has the they they have the power to just get ingrained in our mind and and be constantly shaping our thoughts and also it's a it's ability to affect our emotions Mm -hmm. and so i think about you know one of the when when we encourage christians to um to connect with the lord to to go and and spend time with him and and really build their relationship with God uh, more than the you know do the you know go to church 
pray every day, read your Bible, you know, the, the, the things that end up feeling a little checklisty, you know, you know, when we talk about trying to connect with the Lord and, and they get, uh, gets a little more personal, what helps you to connect with the Lord that might be different for you than it is for me? Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that I've found is music has the power to stir my affections for, for Jesus in a way that few other things do. And if I listen to certain music, and I have those playlists, you know, that we, we talked about going back and listening to songs that we know and love, you know, there's there's songs that have the power to sort of stop me in my tracks mm-hmm. and remind me of truth, you know, remind me of who God is and, and who I am in His eyes, you know, and then to emotionally uplift me or yeah. or calm me sure. you know and and so i think recognizing the power of music and the purpose of music mm-hmm. and then avoiding th- those things for our our detriment for our harm you know where they yeah. can, where they can take us down a, a bad path and and harnessing them to take us further down the the path of growing in in our relationship with jesus and stirring our affections for him yeah it's like you know, sin is sin, and there are certain songs or music I can listen to that are going to, you know, get me to a place where I'm thinking about that, yeah, and that I shouldn't listen to. Songs that are maybe antithetical to the right. gospel itself. Yeah. And then on the other side, there are songs that are truth, and that are going to allow me to be reminded of that truth, and to respond to that truth, and to emotionally feel the effects of that truth. Mm-hmm. And so what does it look like for me to pursue that? Yeah. And you kind of like going back to that quote, like if that's my desire, you know, what is it going to yeah. look like for me to pursue that right. instead of the other? Yeah. One thing I do want to touch on before we, we wrap up um, and, and something that, that I kind of put on your plate before we started was, you know, there, there are songs that, that are outright anti-Christian in their message you know mm-hmm. and and i think pop culture when you talk about pop culture that's a lot of what's out there and and you know if and it, maybe there's more if you're looking for it and and um depending on how much you you think is out there but regardless when we when we just narrow the field to worship music or christian music there's still the possibility for some some dangerous you know falsehoods i guess is you know to yeah. to to be out there and and uh, and in some ways that might even be more dangerous because it sounds true but it's not you know mm-hmm. and and so you think you actually think you are listening to truth about who god is and what he says you know so you're seeking truth and you're you're actually you know finding something that's not true and so you know just a couple of examples like recently there's a church that that produces a lot of popular christian music who kind of came under fire and there's been controversy about should churches sing their music because their <laughs> pastor, you know, preaches, yeah. you know, a false gospel or he writes things in his books that aren't aren't true or whatever. So there's there's some of that and it's less about the music itself than about the church that produces it. And then course, you know, I, th- yeah. I think about when I you know, when I was in high school or middle school or whatever, there was uh, some popular music we sang in youth group that came from a a group that uh, that were, they were, I found out later they were modalists. Um, and, and, you know, that's, they were what modalists. So they, they, you know, oh, that yeah. they, that they didn't believe in the Trinity, didn't believe in the Trinity. They thought, you know, Jesus, the father and the Holy spirit were three separate, you know, distinct entities and weren't, weren't one, you know, and, and that was, you know, if that was in their 
so you know mm-hmm. people are like were, yeah. were we singing about that you know yeah, so so there's that. some of that you know kind of stuff out there but so as a worship pastor speaking to those issues what do you think how, how, what do you think it looks like to navigate that you know mm-hmm. when, when when we're you know i'm listening to christian music and th- it came on k-love or whatever it is you know yeah what do i do about that um it's a good question um you know let me tell you kind of how we evaluate it yeah. as, 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 and kind of how I think about it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it can be hard. And what I've found is helpful in those situations is bring people in. That's you a know, good point. when I'm, when I have questions about a song, like don't, don't sit there and be alone with it. You know I mean? It's good to wrestle with things. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I get I different perspectives, get, get different perspectives, you know, because so I use this example sometimes like if I get so focused in on one thing, sometimes the best thing I can do is just take a step back. And then when I come back to it, I realize it really wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And so sometimes it's nice to have that perspective from somebody else that can just say, yeah, I think you're fine. Or you know you're what? Over, you're overthinking. You're, you're it. overthinking it. Or you know what? Yeah, you're right. That does cause some concern. You know, in our Sunday planning meetings, there have been times where we've where I've brought a song in, and we've all gone around and discussed it because what what are we okay with our people singing? Yeah. And how do we shepherd them? How do we how do we introduce something like this that way? There's no cause for any question. That there's no distraction, and you want to do that the best you can. And so some advice that I would give is if you have questions about a song, ask, you know? Um, And I think that's a really, I'm glad you said what you said about the, you know, the meeting, because I think it helps people. And not that anybody that I know in Grace Church would necessarily question, why are we singing that song? But, but if that happened, I mean, just understanding that, Hey, that goes through a filter of, Mm -hmm. it's not just Blake, you know, going on Spotify. Oh, that sounds, that sounds like a good song. We'll throw that on our Sunday playlist. It's, you know, you're as the worship pastor, very carefully considering what songs. You, there's strategy and how does it relate to the message and the scripture course, that we're sure. that we're going through that week and all of that. But then also, the filter of multiple pastors on staff are yeah. examining. Let this. let some eyes see it. Yeah, you know, for sure. and, I, and so what I would say to somebody who's listening to you know a local radio station or a Christian station in their car, like if they come across something that they that they have questions about, again, ask. Um, and also, like, search for it, you know, yeah. because I feel like that will push us further, you know? Like, where did that song come from? Is this song biblical? Mm-hmm. Um, and do some research on it, because that's how I, that's exactly what I'm doing. When I have questions about a song or, you know, sometimes I'll hear a song and the first thing that grabs my attention is, is more kind of the melody, you know, like mm-hmm. the music and the musical side of it. Um, and I love the music, but the lyrics may be way off, yeah. you know? Um, and I would never play a song like that mm-hmm. because it doesn't really match up with what we believe. Um, and then sometimes, you know, you may not hear something the first time, so you keep listening to it, and then, well, let me find out where in Scripture it says that about God. And if it says it, then now I know something that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Um, I know more scripture passages to back up what I'm singing and what yeah. I'm believing. Um, on the other side of that, if I find that it's not true, 
then I have kind of my own decision to make, yeah. you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier. Does this, where does this lead me? Mm-hmm. Does this lead me to a place that's dangerous right. in what I think about God? Like, am I believing something that's false? Or is it one of those things where it really isn't that big of a deal and there are a ton of other truths in that other, in that same exact song yeah. that I can overlook that one because this, the other truths are so great. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, and I remember Tom talking to, uh, telling me like you have to have a grid of what you're gonna you're gonna allow through you know is it one word that you're concerned about okay well you better have an explanation for it Mm -hmm. and this is more of the we're gonna sing this on a sunday morning side but is it two words is it three words you have to develop a grid of what you're okay with Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to move forward with that yeah and so my grid is let's get some eyes on it Mm -hmm. and and let's evaluate it. Yeah. And let's we have the the best tool in the world to evaluate it. We, you know we have the the word, and yeah. so we can we can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's a question of okay, well, if there's a concern, is it worth still? Is it worth a, if it, is it worth it for us to still sing the song yeah. because it it presents a lot of other good truth mm-hmm. that outweigh. Yeah. Maybe what our concern was, yeah. you know, yeah. and it depends on how strong that concern is. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's something that's blatantly, you know, goes against scripture, then then we wouldn't do that, right? You know, yeah. Um, obviously, for somebody listening in their car, it's you know, it's a little bit different. But again, it's that what am I what am I believing in this yes. song? You know what yeah. I mean? So you, yeah. you have to do some work there too. Yeah, you know, Blake, I, I appreciate you taking all of that effort because. I think there's some, I mean, I'm not that familiar with the world of worship music, but I think there's some that would just play it because it's so popular. Right. Or, you know, oh gosh, this is wonderful. But I know even in when we've wrestled over, should we sing this song? Sometimes at the beginning of it in worship on Sunday morning, you'll kind of address what might be the stickling issue and Mm -hmm. say, but this is how we see this and you know, let's let, let let's move toward the Lord with it. And I, I appreciate for sure your, uh, yeah. diligence. To, oh, thank you to do I, that. You know, my thought is, if it's on our minds as we listen to the song, it's going to be on the minds of our people, yeah. right? Um, and so, how do we get in front of it and just go ahead and call? You know, bring attention to it, yeah, and then give people a way to move past it if if we can. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, totally um, agree. And there are a lot of songs. Sometimes it's just. You know, maybe I don't have complete clarity on it, but we have plenty of other songs in our yeah. bank of songs that present the same truths that I'm not yeah. concerned about. So let's just sing that one yeah. for now, yeah. and we'll come back to that. And, There's no rush in and this. And like, like we said before, it's it's music. It's okay to sing the same ones over and over again. Yeah, exactly. You know? So, yeah. and I, I think we have to remember that that we don't we don't create wisdom. You know, God mm-hmm. creates wisdom, mm-hmm. and and that's good. Um, mm-hmm. You know. In Numbers, God used um, Balaam's donkey to, yeah, to speak, right. you know, and um, anytime Balaam tried to, you know, curse the people of Israel, he ended up blessing them. So mm. God can speak through people, through through anybody, yeah. Um, and he can speak truth through maybe other artists that we wouldn't 100% agree with. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, is there anything else in terms of just engaging wisely with music, you know, as Christians, trying to have a a God honoring, you know, relationship with the music we listen to. Is there anything else, any anything in closing that you'd want to say about that? 
you know, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think it just, it comes down to, you know, what is this song pointing us to, Yeah. you know, and, and if there are concerns about it, take the time to research them and figure out where it's coming from. Um, I agree. I think that journey right there yeah, will be beneficial because I think it'll be good for you either way. You know, if, if you find out that it's, yeah, that it's something that you'll, you'll have learned something new. Mm-hmm. And then in, a, in, on the other side, you would have learned that, Hey, this is why yeah. I disagree with that song, yeah. but you know what? I, I still like it though, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, you know, music is a great tool for us to learn. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great teaching opportunity. And, um, it's also a lot of fun. Yeah. So it, it's, I think it's enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you guys both for being on today. Had a good time talking about music and sports and, uh, appreciate y'all taking the time to, to join me. So thank you. Nolan. Thanks, thank Nolan. you for inviting us.